I am resurrection and I am life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he should die, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Today we celebrate the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. As we remember before our God those who have gone before us in faith and those whose faith is known to God alone. Sadly, the church doesn't talk about death very much. Rarely is it addressed. But the scriptures do, because it was to conquer death that God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, life himself, came into this world. And so Paul tells us in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica, that's First Thessalonians, but I like saying Thessalonica. Paul writes, But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that is, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. In other words, we are to grieve, but not as others do. Not as persons without hope, for our hope is in Jesus Christ. We have a hope that is eternal, a hope that reigns at the right hand of his Father. Suffering and death are no longer the final word in this world over us. The final word in this world is the word of God, the word of life and salvation in Jesus Christ, for all who believe in him. And so we grieve, but we do not grieve as others do, as persons without hope. In Matthew 22, verse 31 to 32, Jesus says, And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Jesus promises us that he is the God of the living. Those who die trusting in him shall live forever. Do you believe this? Do you believe it in the midst of joy? Yes. Do you believe it when you're here and I'm looking at you saying, do you believe this? Yes. But do you believe it in the midst of the troubles of this world, in the midst of suffering and death itself, that Jesus Christ is God's final word over sin, suffering, and death, and his is the word of life and salvation for all that believe in him. Yes. Yes. This is our faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, the Lord of the living, not the dead. 
with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. These words so familiar to us. We praise God with all those who have gone before us. As I said in our first lesson today from Wisdom chapter 3, the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God. The soul of the righteous are in the hand of God. And no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, and I have news for you, that's you and me, they seem to have died and their departure was thought to be an affliction, and their going from us to be their destruction, their end, but they are at peace. For though in the sight of men they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Those who trust in him will understand truth, and the faithful will abide with him in love. They will abide in him in love. Those who have gone before us in faith and those whose faith is known to God alone, which is our way of saying, you know, crazy Uncle Charlie and crazy Aunt Maud, and we're not so sure about. Those, that's what we mean when we say uh, those whose faith is known to God alone. They know the love of God. They are in the hands of God. He has overshadowed them with his love. He has covered them with his wings. They are the apple of his eye. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God and no torment shall ever touch them. Some of you know this story, but it's worth sharing again. Many years ago now, when I was on an island in the North Atlantic, a little island called Bell Island. There was a man who was dying. His name was Ned. Ned was a skipper. He had his own boat. And he was sick for some time. And he was in the hospital, and we sent for his family, and it took several days for some members of his family to get there because we had to wait for the ferry to be able to come over due to the weather. Ned had been unresponsive for several days. And when Emily, his dear wife, was by his side, she was surrounded by their children and their children's children. And I always speak to those who seemingly are unresponsive as if they can hear me. And so I said to him, Ned, Emily is here, and all of your children and grandchildren. When Jesus and his angels come for you, place your faith in him and go with him. With that, Ned opened his eyes for the first time in days. He looked at me, and he said, Father, they are already here. 
He looked at Emily and smiled. And with that, I pronounced absolution in the forgiveness of his sins in Jesus Christ. And he went home to be with the Lord. If only a choir of angels had appeared humming Amazing Grace, only that would have made it a little bit more perfect. It was something that I would never forget. And ever since that day, whenever I'm with someone at the moment of their death, especially those trusting in the Lord, when I see them take their last breath, I bow myself to the ground because I believe I'm in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of life in a special way, who has come for his child. And I remember those words that he spoke at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. I am resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he should die, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And I remember those words from wisdom. In the eyes of the foolish, they seemed to have died, and their departure was thought to be an affliction, and their going from us to be their end but they are at peace. In John chapter 14, verse 1 to 9, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What he is saying, this word troubled, means to be crushed. He's saying, let not your hearts be crushed in the midst of suffering and death in this world, for I have overcome the world. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be crushed. Believe in the midst of sin, suffering, and death, in the midst of this troublesome world. Believe. Believe. He goes on to say, in my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? In the King James Version, the version given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ himself on the day of his ascension, <laughs> leather-bound, concordance and maps in the back, Jesus says in the King James Version, if it were not so, I would have told you. Isn't that awesome? If this was all there was, if I was not going before you to prepare a place for you, I would have told you. I would have told you. But what he says is, I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. How awesome is that? And I will come again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Well, where are you, Lord? I am seated at the right hand of the Father. Where are you, Lord? I have ascended into eternity. Where are you, Lord? I am in the place where there is neither sorrow 
nor suffering, nor death. And I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Then Jesus says, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know the way where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is no way for us to attain to the Father. There is no way for us who are here on our earthly pilgrimage to enter into the heavenly places. There is no way for us to, be, to come out of our graves and to live again forevermore apart from Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? Do you? How many have you told this week? Gee, Father, we didn't know you were going to be mean to us. How many do we tell? If we really believe this, Jesus says, I am the way. The way is not a pathway. Here's the map. He says, I am the truth. The truth is not a doctrine. The truth is a person. He says, I am the life. Life is not what you make it. Life is not a beach. B-E-A-C-H. Life is a person. The way, the truth, and the life is a person, and that person has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus goes on to say, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we shall be satisfied. What was Philip asking? Philip is saying, look, we have been taught all our lives that God is incomprehensible. We cannot attain to God. God is ineffable beyond anything we can imagine or conceive. You're saying you can reveal him to us, then reveal him to us. Show us the Father, and we shall be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have you been with me so long, and yet you do not know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm not done, so hang on. John 11, 20 to 27. Jesus goes to the grave of his friend Lazarus. And when Martha, Lazarus' sister, heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary sat in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, Martha primarily understood the resurrection here to be an event, a future event. It's an event that will take place. Resurrection is an event, and it will happen on the last day when we shall be raised from death, from the grave, 
with the Savior. But Jesus, although not denying that this event will take place, changes our understanding of resurrection forever. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus says, before resurrection can be an event, you must understand that resurrection is a person. And I am that person. For I am the Lord God, the source of all life, who has come into the world to save you, that you may live. And I shall go and prepare a place for you, and I shall come again and take you to myself, that where I am you shall be also. I am resurrection. Resurrection is a person. That person has a name, and his name is Jesus. All right, you're starting to catch on. That's good. <laughs> but then Jesus says to something to Martha that he is saying to you and to me in this day and age, and he's saying it to the church. And he's saying that we, if we must accept this and, and, and have it take over our whole heart. Remember, People say all the time, make room for Jesus in your heart. Jesus doesn't want a room in your heart. He wants your heart. If I say to Christine, I will make room for you somewhere in my heart, I'm in big trouble. She wants to hear me say, I love you with my whole heart. Right? So Jesus doesn't want a room in your heart. He wants the whole in. Jesus says, I am resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says to Martha, and he says this to you and to me, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Martha answers, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. And so he asks us, do you believe this? Do we cry out from our heart, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, you are the anointed one, you are the promised one, you are the living one, the Son of God who has come into the world who is the final word over sin, suffering, and death, who is the word of life and salvation for all who believe. I've also shared this before, but I will share it again and probably about once a year on All Souls Day. And that is, I remember getting a call one morning at about 3.30 in the morning. I didn't hear the phone ring, ring, but I could hear a voice literally crying out my name. It was the old days when we had answering machines and you could hear someone speaking over them. Remember those? And it was my sister saying, Michael, Michael, Michael. And I rose from bed and I went and I picked up the phone. And she said, Michael... Dad died. 
And I remember just a few hours later wondering how the sun could rise as if it were just any ordinary day. And I traveled home. That sister came from Colorado, picked me up, and we continued from Illinois to this crazy place called New England. And I went in to see my mom. Bless you. And my mom was holding a cross that my dad had originally given me. It's Christ vested as a priest on the cross. Both the priest who offers the sacrifice and the sacrifice himself for the sin of the world. And my father had given it to me to place in my first church when I was sent to the coast of Labrador. And after I left the coast of Labrador, I gave it back to my father. And I said, Dad, you gave this to me to hang in my first church. And because it did hang in my first church, I want you to have it now. And my mom said that he had placed it at the bottom of the stairs, and every night my father would stop just before climbing up the stairs, and he'd put his hand on that cross, and he would say a prayer for me. And then he'd go up to bed. My mother said that on that last night, he was at the end, bottom of the stairs, and he put his hand on that cross and he prayed for me before walking up the stairs. Stairs that he would not walk back down. And she said, and he prayed for you. And so I took the cross in my hands and I was holding on to it, thinking about how he had given it to me and I had given it to him and how he had prayed for me and how there was a union between us that transcended even that of father and son, a union that was in Christ Jesus. And then I felt something at the bottom of the cross where he would often place his hand to pray for me and I rubbed it onto my hand and I smelled it and it was peanut butter. I'll give you one guess what killed him. He loved food. I was never able to relate to that. <laughs> but right before his funeral mass, they asked the family to leave so that they could close the casket. And I said to the funeral director that I was going to stay because my dad's priest wasn't there. And so that I would act as his priest and say the prayer as they closed the casket. They prepared him, and right before they closed it, I went and I took that cross and I placed it in my dad's hands. And I said, you hold on to it for me until the day of the resurrection. And then you can give it back to me. You see, that's our hope in Jesus Christ. That's the good news, that death is not the end. We shall mourn, but not as persons without hope. We shall not be crushed because we believe. But if we believe, we must make this good news known. That's why we exist, to worship God and to make Jesus Christ known. His hope 
in the midst of the despair of this world, his light in the midst of this darkness, his forgiveness and mercy in the midst of the unforgiveness, his life in the midst of death. That's why we're here. It's not about what I can get out of church. It's not about whether I like the color of the carpet. It's not about what the vestry did last month. It is about worshiping God and making Jesus Christ known in the hearts and lives of other people who do not know him, that they too may live forever. And that they too may praise God with the final verse of Psalm 23, saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, because they told me about him. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen.